All right, guys, I'm here with Caleb James. Uh, it's been a while since we've had you on the podcast, man. How you been? I'm doing great, man. How about yourself? Doing pretty good. Uh, we talked a little before the pod. Allergy season is is kind of kicking our asses right now, but we're hanging in there, bringing content anyway. Uh, other than that, I mean, the, the Chiefs-Bills game went pretty well last week, all things considered, right? All right am I the only one thinking that? Uh, maybe a little bit, you know. It's I was in attendance of the game. It's always kind of frustrating to uh, have a lead late in the fourth quarter like that and then fail to execute down the line both offensively and defensively and let one slip away at home. And, you know, I really do think this could be a game the Chiefs look back on later in the season and say, well, we really should have won this game. You know, this was the difference between us playing in Buffalo in January, maybe playing in Kansas City in January. But, you know, it's a hard-fought game. These these games against the Bills, like you say, like we know, it's always going to be a 50-50 shot because each side's going to bring their A game. And, you know, the Bills had that revenge on their mind this week, so they were ready to come and get it. Oh, yeah. You could tell that they were motivated coming into this game. I mean, Stefan Diggs has watched the fireworks after the game for the past two or three times we played him. So I, I can imagine he was pretty, pretty hyped up, ready to go for this game. And same thing with Josh Allen. We know he's a competitor. We know he likes to get after it. So to him, this was this was a long time coming, even though I guess they did beat us in the regular season last year. Um, but, you know, always those postseason wins kind of stick in your craw a little bit more than you know, some regular season game at Buffalo or at Arrowhead. But anyway, we got you on here because you are the offensive and defensive line expert at Arrowhead Live. Um, you dive deep into the film, your handle on Twitter. I'll remember it in just a minute. I think it's CJ Scoobs, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah. Posting incredible content. Uh, always. I mean, you're, you're absolutely a film guy. Uh, if I've got that straight. So I'm going to ask you a few questions about the offensive line and defensive line play that you've seen over the past couple of weeks and uh, maybe get your opinion on it. Well, it's been inconsistent and expert is very kind. So I do appreciate that. <laughs> but to me, it's been just, it's been very inconsistent the last couple of weeks, which is weird because you think coming off of that Tampa Bay game, you think that's the turning point game and we're never going to see a bad game from this line the rest of the way out, you know, they're going to have things figured out, but really it hasn't been that easy. You know, they have a, they have a tough game versus the Raiders and then they come out this week and they play a team in Buffalo who I thought overall had the deepest defensive line unit that they'll face all season. And they've already faced some good defensive lines, you know, Bosa's and Max and all these guys and DeForest Buckner, you know, they've played some good ones. But you take a look at a team like Buffalo that's done nothing but stockpile high-round draft picks, first and second rounders, and really develop those guys well. Combine that with them going out and spending the money to get Von Miller this offseason. You are, you know, you're seeing a defense that is built around its front seven, that's built around those big guys up front. And they gave KC a lot of problems this week. They're able to get pressure with three at the end of the game. You know, they're using you know, the new hot phrase around, you know, film Twitter across the league is simulated pressures. You know, those kinds of things have been around for years. Teams are starting to use them more and more because they're starting to become quite effective against these mobile quarterbacks that could create on the run and do a lot of different things. So, you know, it was inconsistent. It was bad. But really, I think the issue this week was the Chiefs have been giving a lot of help to their tackles, whether it be slide protection or chips from the backs, receivers, and tight ends. 
This week, Buffalo had a perfect game plan to be able to take advantage of that by, you know, getting Von Miller isolated in one-on-one situations. And then, for instance, you know, if they're going to chip the defensive end, you know, the defensive end, you know, inside, try to chip him inside to the tackle, well, just have the defensive end act like he's getting chipped and then go on a loop and bring your defensive tackle around through the B gap. We saw that a couple of times this week. Uh, I mean, they got they got flat out beat up front this week, you know, in pretty much every aspect of the game. Well, yeah, both offensively and defensively, I felt like our our line did not play up to snuff. Um, Wiley and Orlando Brown Jr. both, uh, what are they, bottom of the league in, in pressure to allow for, for tackles. So that that is definitely not great, especially when you guys, when we have an interior line as good as the one we have right now, right, where we have Tooney. Creed Humphrey, and then Trey Smith at that right guard position, you just feel like you should be getting more out of your tackles. When you got that much talent on the inside, I understand there's only so much you can do to help these tackles on the outside with chips and, uh, you know, shifting the line right or left, depending on the matchup. But, man, at some point we, we got to take a long look at our, our offensive tackle room and see where we go from here. Because right now – as far as I'm looking at it, I don't know that we have our left tackle and right tackle of the future currently on the roster. No, and that's something that they're going to have to take a look at this offseason. I don't think there's a ton they can do in season, but just looking at it from like a pressure and sack perspective, obviously Vaughn Miller was the closer. You know, he went out there and shut him down late. But it was even, you know, I even thought the interior guys struggled. You know, I had Joe Tootie giving up a couple pressures. I had Trey Smith giving up a couple pressures, getting called for a sa- or a holding call. I had Creed Humphrey. He gave up a couple of pressures. And all of that on top of the tackle struggling, because the one thing that Mahomes has done a good job of the last couple of weeks, when the tackles struggle, he can step up. He's got a wall in front of him. But like you say, you know, You've got those big bodies up there for Buffalo and Daquan Jones and Ed Oliver, you know, causing some problems. And then you've got really athletic linebackers like Tremaine Edmonds, who are pretty good at running between the A and B gaps. You know, it caused some issues up there. And I think that those issues late in the game caused Mahomes to lose confidence in even his interior line. And that just made him a sitting duck back there for the edge rushers of Buffalo. So, yeah, I mean, it starts with the tackles, obviously, and pass protection, but it's kind of evolved to the entire line. They're just playing a very inconsistent brand of football right now. And, you know, they've got real decisions to make. Now, Orlando Brown talked about wanting to be one of the highest paid tackles in the history of the National Football League. You you can't be the slide side tackle and be getting a chip block at the same time in the fourth quarter of a big game if you want that kind of money. you got to be on the island out there by yourself. And he's he's just simply not ready to be that guy. I don't know if he'll ever be that guy. And, you know, with Wiley, he is who we thought he was. But really, to me, it all goes back to Orlando Brown because you can't mask one tackle struggling if the other one is struggling just the same and you're expecting a lot more out of one from the other when you're coming into the season. Oh, yeah, and and that's I 100% agree with you on that. Now, the, the questions that I have, I mean, because we know Wiley – we were never expecting, you know, Mitch Schwartz type of, of play out of him. We always knew he was kind of like a fill-in guy who could come in. He's going to stay on the roster because he can play basically any spot on the offensive line, uh, not at an elite level, but he can at least fill in. And he's got a lot of rapport with the guys that are there. 
Uh, but with Orlando Brown Jr., is this like a technique issue? Is this a um, is this a fundamental issue or is this, this just a consistency issue? Uh, well, it could also be um, maybe something along the lines of him losing all that weight this offseason. Has that affected his gameplay at all? I don't think it's really the weight thing, but I just think even though he's lost the weight, he's still having trouble blocking the speed rushers and the edge rushers that he's got to be able to. And by this point, the film is out. You know, guys are going to go wide on him. And something teams have even started to do now, you know, they're kind of wise that Mahomes is a little uncomfortable. He knows these wide guys are going to be coming, so he's looking to almost step up quick. They're starting to send guys in different waves at him. They're starting to send guys at different levels like Buffalo did. You know, give credit to Leslie Frazier, the Bills' defensive coordinator. He was outstanding with the way he was able to dial up their pressures with just three and four men. And people are going, well, these are three-man pressures. It's a little more complicated than that. Because on one play, you know, you've, they've got Vaughn at like a wide nine. He's running all the way around the arc, you know, almost to the point where Orlando's like, okay, I should be good to go here. But when the other guy is crashing in on the B gap where there's supposed to be a chip and Wiley's getting beat on the inside and you got one guy coming through the B gap, you know, those are rushers at different levels. Mahomes is trying to step up, but all of a sudden he's got a guy in the B gap coming there. You know, it's it's not an easy thing to do. It's not really something that an average defensive line can pull off. But with a team like the caliber of Buffalo, you know, they're able to do these kinds of things. And they really took advantage of the Chiefs with that. And it got to the point at the end of the game where Mahomes was not didn't have great pocket presence either. The last couple of drives that he was out there, you know, you can you can kind of get that controlled chaos version of Mahomes like the touchdown to Juju. You know, he had everything in front of him. He knew what was going on, and he was in control there versus the end of the game where he didn't really feel like he had control of the defense, and he was just out there, you know, blindly scrambling as opposed to scrambling with a purpose in the pocket. Oh, yeah, and that kind of has been a theme ongoing throughout this season. If you look at Patrick Mahomes' fourth quarter numbers, I mean, like, he has a 55 QBR, which is the worst in the league. So this is not – I mean – this is not a single instance of, um, you know, a, a certain type of defense getting him, in my opinion. Uh, this is a systemic issue that has been happening for the past couple of games. Now, I don't know how you go about fixing that. Obviously, you talked about sending help, the tackle ways. Um, but I think it has to start and end with this interior defensive line. And we, we keep going back to it, right? You've got guys. That one guy who's making a lot of money, maybe most in the league for a, a left guard. I don't know about that. I, I'd have to check the numbers. But then you have Creed Humphrey, who a lot of people had as the best center in the league last year. And then a right tackle in Trey Smith, who looked like a steal in the sixth round of the draft. Now, those are the guys you're going to have to lean on. But if you have both your tackles needing help, you're not going to be able to run that spread offense that Andy Reid likes to run uh, to get you know guys open and, and create more mismatches down the field. So. I, I, if you could just give me your opinion, like where does Mahomes go from here in these fourth quarter stretches where he seems to be like losing his cool a little bit? Is that going to be on the offensive line? Is that a Mahomes issue or, or is that maybe a play calling issue? Man, I almost think you have to go back to the coaching staff to try to give him something to work with here. And I've been frustrated with the coaching staff over the last periods of games just because I feel like they've gotten stale in what they do. 
you know, if teams are showing pressure, you know, it's gotten to the point where almost the Chiefs only option is to throw it to a check down. And this week, Buffalo got them on that, you know, third and seven, they check it down to McKinnon. Well, the Bills drop their guys back and have everyone run to the sticks and go over there and tackle him to where he can't even get anything. It looked inviting. But at this point, you know, with the tackle struggling like this, you can only chip for so long. And mind you also, you know, they've played some really good defensive lines this year. Every game the rest of the way isn't going to be like this because not every team has that level of pass rusher. You know, Wiley and Brown are going to be okay versus guys who aren't quite as good. You know, the interior offensive line is going to get better if Trey Smith can get healthier down the line. But I really think that when they're going in these games like this, they really got to utilize trying to get, to get the ball out of Mahomes' hand a little bit quicker late in the game. They got to give him some other option other than Kelsey to go to go to town the field. And I really think that has to do with just coming up with some sort of a play where they can get the ball out of his hands quickly and keep the team off balance. You know, maybe they even have to go back and run the ball. I'm a little disappointed in the run scheme the last couple of weeks. We saw what they could do versus Tampa Bay. They ran power and counter very effectively. They've done nothing but run zone since then, and it hasn't really paid off the last couple of weeks at all. The Raiders and the Bills have both found ways to stop the run game. So, you know, there's a lot of things, but I do think with some of the play calling that we're seeing, they could do a better job of helping him out, and they can help themselves out, you know, by helping out Mahomes get these kinds of plays where he can get the ball out quick, or they can find a way to maybe run the ball to the edge. Oh yeah. And I think everybody in chief's kingdom would, would agree with you there. We definitely need to find a way to start running the ball more effectively. And, and like you said, if the chiefs would run any fucking power or counter run scheme, I, we say this every single year and man, if, if any of you guys out there are actually in our Slack thread, you know, Caleb has been pounding the table for a power run screen for the past three or four years. I mean, like it, it has legitimately been that long. And it finally seems like we have a guy who's really, really good at doing that. And I know Clyde was brought in as kind of like a zone third down running back, but he looks like he's thriving in that as well. I mean, you've got guys like Isaiah Pacheco, who, what was he, a seventh round pick coming out of Rutgers? And now he's averaging 2.6 yards after uh, after contact, which is like insanely, I mean, like that, that type of production is insane. I mean, that's talk. We're talking more than Alvin Kamara, Dalvin cook, Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor, all this year. So if we could get those guys in more situations where they can win and put, putting them in positions where they could win, I feel like our offense could really thrive, especially late in games where you've got something to fall back on. I know Andy Reed likes to be the beautiful mind and throw the ball all over the field. Sometimes that isn't going to work when you've got three guys rushing with one spy and eight guys in coverage. I mean, like, sometimes that's just not going to work. You, you got to find something else to do. But anyway, uh, how do you see our you, you spoke a little bit to, uh, you know, not having to face as many defensive lines as deep or as talented as the Bills. How do you feel like this matchup with Nick Bose and the 49ers is going to look? Is, is this something where we can see a repeat performance of? Uh, the atrocities we saw on Sunday, or is this going to lighten up uh, and get a little bit better before it gets worse? Well, this is a uh, San Francisco defense that is built on, you know, their front seven. Also, they have good linebackers. They have good defensive line play. They've got another young guy in Drake Jackson, a defensive end out of USC. 
who's really looking like he's going to put together a nice rookie year also. But yeah, I mean, Bosa is probably going to have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. He's one of the best in the league that there is. And the Chiefs are going to have to find a way to stop him consistently to from being able to rush the passer, you know. I don't know really how they're going to be able to come out and run the ball versus this 49ers team. I do. I mean, the 49ers have been beat up a little bit. They are missing some key players in their run defense. But really, I think it's going to come down to the Chiefs got to find a protection plan for him. and. You know, the protection plans they've been rolling out, you know, they've been running the same stuff for like three years or so, it seems. And I know people go, well, that's Andy Reid's playbook. You know, your plays and stuff have to evolve over time. Eventually, teams are going to start to pick up on these things. Like, when is the last time a sprint out worked for Kansas City? And I know sprint out was a great play a couple of years ago to help with some of the offensive line issues, but it's just not there this year. Teams know the routes the Chiefs are running on the outside of those. They're looking for them. And even this week, we saw the Bills expose the Chiefs by, you know, Orlando Brown gave up pressure when he's supposed to be reach blocking to the left on a rollout play like that. And no running back even stepped in to help, you know. That's just a player for the Bills, whoever it was playing defensive end for them just knowing what's coming and knowing how to disrupt that play to throw off Mahomes, maybe that maybe maybe the answer is something as simple as throwing a slant over the middle of the field. I know Juju Smith-Schuster put up his best game as a Chief by far, you know, and he looked pretty good throwing the ball over the middle. Are there other guys in this Chiefs offense that can help out? Do they need to maybe get Pacheco the ball more in space is kind of, you know, a guy that's saying, you know, you can drop guys back in coverage. You can do this and that. But we have this nice counter piece right here that he could make you pay. I just wish the Chiefs would show that one or two times. I do think something we will see this week, though, I think we're going to – I know a lot of Chiefs fans may not like it, but I would not be totally surprised if we see a couple of McCole Hardman jet sweeps here or there. They tried to run a couple of those in that Super Bowl against San Francisco here three years ago. didn't really work out, but – I'm wondering if they may have a scheme to kind of take advantage of, you know, you know, trying to get the edge on those guys if they're starting to pack down in the box a little bit. Well, and we saw them run that for a really long time, uh, even McCole, before McColl was here, right? I mean, that, that was a mainstay of this offense for a while, getting the guy that has some speed, the ball out in space. And, you know, we've been trying to do that different ways. You saw that a couple of times with Sky Moore uh, against the Bucks, just throwing a little – wide receiver screen out there and letting him try to gain yards uh, after the catch. So I, I like that game plan. Uh, I don't necessarily trust Hardman to execute it hundred percent, but you know, anything to change up what we're doing right now, I, I think is the right answer. I understand that, you know, this is still the highest scoring offense in the league, but there's always room for improvement. We can always make um, some changes to get a little bit better and confuse our opponents. Now, hopefully Andy Reid sees Kyle Shanahan running some of these schemes up close and personal and goes, you know what? I, I think I might take a few of those to take for our team, but I, I highly doubt that'll happen. But anyway, so let's, let's move to the defensive line, right? So one of my biggest complaints this year has been the play of the defensive line uh, outside of Chris Jones. I don't really see anybody that has done an incredible job. Um, is that about the same thing you're seeing going over the film? Yeah, I think Carlos Dunlap has done fine in limited reps. You know, they're limiting his reps. He's done a decent job as the designated pass rusher. Didn't really do anything the last couple of weeks, but he's a guy that I think that they're going to rely on a little bit more 
as things go down and maybe play more reps down the line. But I, I mean, no, I think you hit it on the head. I don't think this has been a unit that's performed well all season long. And I do think that there's Chiefs fans that had a particular issue with one guy on the defense this week. But from the perspective I looked at it, I think it was a culmination of a couple of factors. And one of them had to do with the defensive line. And we, we can get into that in just a minute. But, uh, yeah, I mean, what you were saying, though, the, that D-line room has not really lived up to the potential or the hype. And I know they've got potential in there with some guys. But really, you know, teams kind of don't really worry about the Chiefs pass rush off the edges right now. Oh, yeah. And you, you use that word potential. And I, I really think that that kind of perfectly describes this defensive line. But I, I don't even want to say it's unearned potential, but just unreached or unreachable potential here. I mean, George Karloftis, we I mean, we had our qualms with him before the draft. He comes in, he comes into the preseason. and He looks really, really good. I mean, he's taken moves that he didn't have in college and using them. He shown a little bit more extra bend around the edge. I mean, granted, it's against like the Bears offensive line, but I mean, still showing something and we get into the season and I, I feel like we're still sort of seeing that um, he, he's recorded as many pressures as any defensive end this year. Uh, that's a rookie. So as far as the rookie class goes, I feel like we didn't get, you know, a first round bust or anything like that. It's just how, how much of what you're seeing of these pressures is a result of, you know, him just not being quick enough or having enough moves in his arsenal to get to the quarterback fast enough. And how much of it is miscellaneous. And what I mean by that is maybe the quarterback rolls out, right. He's the right defensive end. There's nothing you can do. How much of it is he's the only one collapsing the pocket and the quarterback can just step right up, step right up and get the ball away fast. How much of it is just a quick throw um, slant over the middle to get there? I mean, really, really what I'm asking is how how high do you think George Karloftis's potential for the rest of the season be? Could we see like a five sack, uh, five sack season ending stat line or do you think it'll be a little bit less or a little bit more? I think if he finishes the year at this pace with five sacks, I think we'd all be incredibly happy. But he has got a ton of work to do still with his hands and just developing a feel for rushing the passer because where a lot of his pressures are coming is where he's coming in close and late to the quarterback. Now, they may be counting some of those as pressures. I'm not necessarily a big proponent of calling a guy running in by the quarterback after the ball is thrown a pressure. You know, I think a pressure is getting in the quarterback's face while he's in the act of throwing or getting ready to throw. And I think, you know, like you were saying, a lot of the pressures with Carl Loftus in my eyes are with him. You know, he does have the tremendous motor. He finishes plays around the quarterback and that's always a great trait to have. And, you know, he's always around the ball. If if they're going to roll out his way, he's going to sniff it out most of the time. He almost made a really nice play this week on a Josh Allen rollout, but he got tripped up by his teammate, Justin Reed. That's just football. That's how it goes sometimes. But really, I just don't see the explosion or off the ball with him a lot of the time. And I think that his hands are underdeveloped, you know, outside of the bull rush and power rush. I don't really think he's happy. He doesn't have a tremendous amount of moves. And we knew that coming out of Purdue. We kind of knew what it was. 
But now that he's going against, you know, big boys starting starting caliber tackles on good teams, you know, he's starting to find out you got to do more than just two-hand bull rush your way to the quarterback in the NFL. You know, that's an easy block for a lot of tackles in this league. Oh, yeah, and especially just looking at this upcoming uh, matchup, Trent Williams. I thought he is going to eat that shit for lunch. I mean, he does that anyway with uh, just about anybody, but especially when you got a guy that's kind of one-dimensional going up against him. He's a big boy. He, he can take all that power and then some. So that'll be an interesting matchup to watch. Hopefully we'll see um, maybe a little bit of a change in trend. He might get a get a few more pressures, a few sacks. We'll see. Um, all right, just a few more things before I get you out of here. Uh, just quickly, what are your thoughts on uh, Frank Clark and Mike Dana as our starting left and right defensive ends? Uh, do you think that that should change is what, what's your opinion on it? Well, I mean, Clark is just, you know, we, we kind of expected what we were going to expect with him this season. He's not showing a ton. I don't think anyone really expected a much, um, you know, a ton out of him. They've started trying to get Mike Dana involved back again, even though I know, you know, Karloftis is struggling at times. I would like to see Karloftis said over Dana just for the potential that he will end up being a better player. I want to see more Carlos Dunlap. I know they got him on like a snap count right now. I'm just hoping by the end of the season, you know, when it gets down into the crunch time, we're seeing him more and more because I think he, I think right now he's the best defensive end on the roster. I truly do believe that it's just, you know, he's an older guy. They're trying to really limit, but we're man, we're, we're getting ready to be in an off season where, you know, you've had your certain rebuilds of certain positions. I just think that, in the off season and this season coming up, you're going to see maybe a completely new cast of characters, maybe outside of Chris Jones and George Karloftis and who may even know with some of those situations, how they may play out. Oh yeah. And Chris Jones for a while, even this past off season was not exactly a lock to be on the team. I know that we had just given him an extension a few years ago, but I mean, we're hearing murmurs now, even that Chris Jones could not be on the team next year, which in my opinion, would be a huge mistake, especially since he's the only thing we have along that defensive line. Um, but yeah, so with, with the guys we have, I, I would agree with you. Dunlop and, and George Karloftis, I think, need a little bit more playing time, if nothing more than to uh, not really solidify the defensive line, but, but bring it closer together and maybe hype up its potential a little bit more. Now, the, the problem that you have there is that that price tag for Frank Clark, he, he is still one of the deep, the leaders on this defense. And Moving him to a backup role, I think, is not going to sit well with the guys there. I think that they would understand it, but it's still one of those things where you've got a leader. You want to follow him. Um, they, they, I don't know why they would think about doing that, especially this late into the year. But with that being said, there have been some names thrown around. Brian Burns, Montez Sweat, uh, Chase Young even. I, I actually saw a report of, of Chase Young maybe being on the move. Are there any guys in this offseason that you would like, or not this offseason, before the trade deadline that you would like to see on this team? Uh, it could be wide receivers, defensive ends, anything. You know, uh, I, I think we'd all like to see a guy like Brian Burns on the team, you know, just simply because he is that elite level defensive end edge talent that they could really use who would be unlocked even further if you line him up next to Chris Jones and that was the whole idea of spending the money and going after Frank Clark is 
they thought they were going to have a defensive line that was going to be fierce with that kind of interior defensive lineman like Chris Jones being able to elevate everyone around him. And they've let Chris Jones down. You know, I know people are saying they people get down on Chris Jones a lot. They've let him down so much in their career that he just gets beat on the way he does, and they've never been able to really get him the real help he, they have. And, you know, at this point with Frank Clark and his contract situation and the restructure he took, he he doesn't get those kind of guaranteed reps to start games anymore. You know, if he's not producing, they're going to find a guy that will because he's likely not going to be on the squad, you know, next season. I think we'd all love to see, you know, a trade for a guy like a Brian Burns or going out and getting an elite wide receiver. That stuff's unrealistic, and it doesn't always happen a ton, uh, even for the good teams, you know. But if there was maybe a veteran piece the Chiefs could pick up here or there to help them out, I could maybe see that working out. You know, uh, I mean, I've been a little bit underwhelmed with the other Chiefs defensive tackles outside of Chris Jones and Turk Wharton goes down, a guy who I think can help some things out. He's another Carolina Panther. Um, not too many guys say his name a lot, but Matt Ioannidis, you know, he's a big run stuffer. He's a great bull rusher. I think he could definitely, if left one-on-one, he's going to push a guard into the backfield. If Chris Jones is getting double teamed, that can certainly help be a Mike Pinnell-like pickup. You know, it's always it's always going to be these pickups from the underrated guys that are probably going to help these elite teams like the Chiefs more out in the playoffs than it is for kind of one of these far-fetched, you know, go out and go get the elite guy kind of pick up here and there. We'll see what happens though. You know, I think there's gonna be a lot of moving and shaking before the deadline. There are already some teams in tank mode, like we mentioned the Carolina Panthers and we'll just have to see how that goes. Yeah, absolutely, man. So thank you for coming on. Uh, Go ahead and plug your socials and we'll get out of here. All right. You guys can uh, check me out on Arrowhead live at CJ Scoobs. And I got a YouTube channel also called a, team talk where i'm just been posting some film stuff i actually just had an article come out this evening where i dissect a little bit of the chiefs uh issues and pass protection and some of their issues in offense we just kind of hope that they can get some of those things figured out don't forget though the bills defense is completely elite they are very good not every defense is going to be equipped to do that and we hope that you know some of these young Chiefs rookies, you know, can develop a little bit. This is kind of the situation we thought we'd see at the beginning of the season, and I think some of us were right on. There's a lot of rookies across the board for the Chiefs that are still developing and coming into themselves. These challenges against teams like Buffalo are only going to make them better down the line. So I think we're going to have an exciting end of the year. Exactly. My, My thoughts exactly. So thanks, guys. We'll see you on the next one.